We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. up cow fans it is it's may it's basically may and we are back as rob says we're back baby the bear cast is here it's literally april 30th <laughs> like it's literally two hours from now it'll be may it's actually already may on the east coast i do appreciate the teasers that rob puts out there he's like and he's gonna come back soon <laughs> in, pre- in previous pods it was like it's we're like back the, now. It's like the end of Marvel movies where it says like Thor will return. <laughs> like that's that's what I'm doing. Andy will return. He can't stay away for too long. It's not in him. It's not in him. Just hanging out exactly somewhere else in the multiverse. Yeah. But still involved. Yeah. Nonetheless, we're not here to talk about Marvel, despite the fact that we absolutely could. We are here because our California Golden Bears concluded their spring game today. And we are going to take advantage of our on-the-field expert. Ha. I wonder who that is. Learn a me. little bit. <laughs> learn a little bit about <laughs> what that was like. And so do give an idea of what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the spring game. We're going to look at spring camp. I'm going to call it camp. Not really sure if that's a thing, but spring ball in thing. review. Yep. Just made it a thing. That's fine. We'll talk about some bears in the NFL and the NFL draft that's going on, and then we'll wrap up. So let's move into the spring game. Set the scene for us, Rob. What was it like? So <laughs> you want the good version or like the underwhelming version? Both. Both? All right, so let me set this. Let me set the stage for the underwhelming version. All right, first, they the the emails that they the Catholics sent and like a lot of the a lot of the prep like behind it, they were like, ah, oh, like there'll be food trucks and like you know other things and a beer garden and like one. I think there was one food truck like tucked away in some corner um, that I don't. I, I, I think today it's it's still in a sarcophagus somewhere inside Memorial Stadium. Like I don't, we never found it. 
<laughs> we never found said uh, said uh, what's it uh, food truck. Uh, there was a stellar Stella Artois truck that was selling beer right next to the North Gate, like you know the North Gate where the players enter, like right outside of it. Were on the to the stair on the staircases like leading up, they had parked the truck right there and they were selling beer, and then they had tables out like in uh, in Golden Plaza, like right right on that like deck area and that before the grass and before the gates they had like tables set up so like i guess that constitutes as a beer garden <laughs> like kinda not really um so yeah so that was some of the most underwhelming parts um you gotta, conf- we gotta appreciate i we've been duped by this now twice <laughs> this isn't the first time we've been duped remember when cal was like we're gonna serve beer at the games and there's gonna be a beer garden the beer garden at the games is also exceptionally underwhelming. It's it's like it's like four four feet long, four feet long. <laughs> you can't watch the game. No, there's no TVs, no nothing. Set it up in one of those ADA sections. I'm sure I'm breaking a law already just by suggesting yeah, that. But yeah. let's just say in a hypothetical world where I don't have to worry about that, you take one of those ADA sections and you set up a roped area that you can go and that's where you put the fake grass in and go and have a beer and look down and look across the whole bay. And then you can set up a different ADA area, like with even better seats. So everybody wins. I'll make it even easier for you. We keep the current beer garden. Just have like two mega sized projectors up showing the game. That works. You know, you know, like when you're at like an A's game or a giants game, like they have the TVs throughout the like concession yeah. so you can see the game just that type of Cal setup has but except too. except Cal like has a, those tvs they yeah do have those they TVs. have them on the concourse put it outside in the beer garden there'd be <laughs> way more people buying beer at the beer garden if there was a way to watch the game instead of sitting out on a very nice lawn overlooking a very nice view i've i've clearly hit a chord i've yeah. struck a chord <laughs> we're moving on <laughs> we're moving on uh but okay that's so that's that's like the disappointing parts let's the underwhelming let's talk about like the the actual real stuff right um one was very surprised at the amount of people that showed. Um, I talked to one guy like that was a part of the team, and we were both very surprised at the fan turnout. Uh, like it was, it was a very, very good turnout. A lot of recruits were in town, not just like guys we want on visits, but just like local seven, uh, like seven on seven teams, local high schools, just a lot of people on hand to watch, and they had sectioned off. A few sections like towards the towards the field uh, around the 50, 45 to 50 yard line for said players and families and coaches, which was a really nice touch. And so like if you re- go and rewatch the spring game, when the players come out, there's like two sections of like, you know, people just standing. Those are all like high school players, recruits, um, like high school teams, families and coaches. That's who was in there. It wasn't like players, families. It wasn't any of that. It was just just new guys that they wanted to like get accustomed and in. So I was like, good call, guys. Good call on the recruiting staff. Uh, great one on that one. And then uh, and then they had a bunch of uh, alumni in town. But before I get to that, let me take one step back and say they start. They said the event started at 12. Practice didn't actually start till 1.30. What they did starting at 12 was the field was open with a bunch of different – it was it felt like a carnival. 
like there were multiple like stations on the field where kids could do certain things where they could throw a football they had a a jersey with uh, the pads on with the media banner hung on the wall so you could wear it and take pictures as if you're getting like media interviewed which i thought was which was very nice um way to build the young fandom and uh so it was just a lot of that a lot of kids running around the field like getting accustomed to the football field being around there and so it was really nice to see um all the all the kids the families like who knows how many generations of cal fans were there um but you had kids that were just like you had kids that were just interested like happy to be out and having something to do so you're getting them acclimated to having fun in a football stadium right and so they're not going to be as like you know not wanting to go in a regular football season because they had a fun experience you're linking you're linking that and building it towards the future but then you also had all the older guys and even the the college kids and all that come out because they want to know what the new team is going to look like come august so you just the the variety of fans um, was great the cheering like when things were happening the touchdowns all that were awesome um but let's get back to what I was saying earlier about the alumni. Uh, big time alumni were in attendance. Uh, Cal, former Cal, I believe running back, right? Russell White uh, was in attendance. Um, former Cal defensive end and linebacker Lorenzo Alexander also in attendance. Former Cal wide receiver Jeff MacArthur and current uh, St. John Bosco wide receiver head coach Jeff MacArthur was also in attendance. And then, of course, the marquee star that was in attendance was Cal wide receiver and the Wizard of Returns, Mr. Deshaun Jackson, was at the game as well. So that kind of sets the stage of, like, just the hype. Like, once people realized Deshaun was there, like, everyone started crowding to the wall, like, and, like, leaning over and, like, asking him to, like, take, like, an autograph and and picture. and, And just everyone was there. So... It was it was kind of wild, um, just seeing all of that. It does feel like they took back in the Tedford days. They used to do something very similar to that. I can't remember exactly what it was called, but I remember that Sunny didn't continue that tradition, and it was very unpopular at the time. There's two things. One, there's the uh, I, I distinctly remember this event where it was like uh, the mothers of Cal football and it was all these older women that came in for the day and they had got to like go and it, it's just like a hilarious event. I think that's and, fun. And then this, which was uh, it's almost like an open house. Yeah. And I love that they oriented the spring game around that because I think that's super important and you, you're exactly right. Like those kids that those are going to be the future fans. Like welcome to the life. (laughs) The life chose you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That is great to hear. And then of course, I mean, the last time I can think of Deshaun Jackson and again, a practice at Memorial was freshman year in 2007 when we had so much hype that, believe it or not, students used to come to our practices, the last practice before the season started. And it was like, we're like, oh, we're going to be super tight this year. Yep. <laughs> and I remember Deshaun walking. I mean, I know you have your Deshaun story from that day. And then yeah. Deshaun walking out of the stadium, walking by, giving me a high five. It's like, this is this is what college is like. This is going to yeah. be great. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's awesome. So the scene is set. Yeah. You have alumni there. Let's go to the actual play on the field. Okay. I would like to know, were there any surprises just in the spring game itself? We'll obviously talk about camp as a whole. So don't really want like the camp surprise more specifically in the game or what you were able to observe. Um, so one, everyone has to know, uh, by the time you're listening to this, maybe my post might be up on right for California. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but I wasn't in the box, so I didn't have the best of views. Like I was on the field taking pictures and video, um, the entire day. So that's my vantage point. I will go back and rewatch the spring game at some point. Um, just to yeah, get a better was, feel for I just thought you were going to drop like some huge news. You're like, yeah. my post isn't up yet. Yeah. And then it's just a disclaimer that you weren't yeah. in a good position to watch the game. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I did talk to Nick who got to see his first like look at this team. I talked to Avi. Like this was his second, I believe, practice. Uh, so like, there's guys with less views than me. So like they have more fresher takes on what they saw. Um, but I think overall the team in this particular day, nothing really stood up in terms of just the spring game. Um, it was here, here's the, here's the starters or like who we think the stars are going to be exactly who they were. You know, here's the, here are the battles in these uh, specific positions. Exactly what we thought. (laughs) Like those are the battle points. Um, Like there was a, what about plumbers throw to the corner? Like that was a nice throw. Like that play impress you or no? Well, so I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that in a vacuum because that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily talk about his camp as a whole. The throw was great as an individual throw. I think the throw was solid. Maven Anderson also. Oh, so I actually was on that uh, in that end zone when that play happened, and Maven had had at least a good two yards on the defender. Like if the ball was thrown anywhere in his vicinity, that was like playing catch. There was no way he was not going to make that catch. Um, so he just needed to make that throw like in that area, which he did, and he was he was far away enough from the sideline too where he didn't have to necessarily it wasn't a tight space to throw it into but i mean regardless still a good throw still a good decision yeah and he pulled the trigger on it which and you know everyone was ecstatic about and my and my thing with it too is the the reason why i saw it and was like oh, okay this is exciting for me because of course it's i've had 4 months away from having to depend upon chase to win us football games <laughs> so I just gonna say that how many times have I seen that ball be underthrown? Yeah. So for me to see the ball actually be thrown well, despite how open it is, my expectations aren't all that high. It's not hard to, to get me excited. But the point that you make is very important, which is especially in this world where we see one eighteenth of the true the whole story itself. <laughs> It's important yeah, you, to get that broad perspective that you just brought to us. Yeah. You see you see the tagline and then you see the like the short lead and you're like I know exactly what I need to know. <laughs> I don't need any more context whatsoever. <laughs> Zero zilch. Okay. Let's move on. 
spring game over any other i mean final thoughts here before we transition over to the to the full review it was overall it was a fun experience i think it's the best it's the most people i think i've seen out on a spring camp under or spring day under wilcox um it was also the most fun oriented like it's just the vibes around the stadium were great it was also a beautiful day in berkeley by the way absolutely beautiful um and just having all the alumni there like the hype you know enough enough highlight reel stuff that happened on the field where people got a little bit upped you know like us football degenerates like we're like yeah defense is the key to victory i want to see like stops and interceptions and like plugging the right uh gaps you know and and all that but like you know for the average fan who's watching at home or or at the stadium or like just really tuned in during football season like like i don't mean to demean anyone but like realistically you're looking for the fireworks right you're looking for the get your butt off the seats you know the the 45 yard touchdown runs the the 35 yard or the 50 yard you know deep shots like those are the things, are and you know any touchdown scored. You're looking for that type of uh, <laughs> yes. excitement. You're not so, going to the spring game hoping to see a three to zero defensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, there was enough highlight reels to to keep people interested and uh, into the game, which I thought was, which I thought was perfect. So overall, absolute success. The the best uh, spring game atmosphere. And uh, just day under Coach Wilcox, in my opinion. Hot damn. Okay. Let's move on to spring in review. Mm. Overall thoughts as the beat reporter extraordinaire for Right for California. What do you want to know, Andy? What do you want to know? Well, we obviously can start at the quarterback battle. Yeah. Because I saw a couple. I saw an article today saying that Kai might be the starter, and then you know Plumber's coming out leading what looks like the ones. So, what's your read here? How do you feel? Uh it's it's so hard because. Okay, can I get my personal push out of the way? My personal push as a Cal fan, like I really want Kai to win this job. And if you listen to the podcast between me and Nick and Avi before spring camp started, you know the reasons why I'm. 100% aligned with Nick. Like if Plummer wins this battle, that's pretty damning evidence and against the offensive staff and their ability to develop a quarterback and to recruit a quarterback. So like I'd much rather run with a sophomore quarterback um than like running with a guy who has a higher floor for sure than Kai. As of right now, he's more consistent. He's making the right reads. He's making, you know, the good throws, but doesn't give you a like what Wilcox always says, right? It's like, is is there a category he gives you one more plus in? Like, Andy, you and I were in that football one-on-one thing with him a few years back. And remember how he like, he how he grades his players? He has that sheet and it's like in, there are certain categories where it's like a plus and like those are additional like attributes that's not normal to that position or he has uniquely compared to other players in his position. Like that's the thing with me with Plummer. It's that there's no, you're not getting a plus you're getting like pre Jim Harbaugh, Alex Smith. You're getting just like game manager. Great. He might not lose you any games, but he might not win you one either. You know, it's just 
All right, so let me... That's what you got. I want to push back, and I think we need to kind of reserve... I'm going to I'm gonna bookmark this okay. and say that there's a future podcast episode where we talk about this further, because I did listen to that podcast that the three of you had. Yeah. And I actually disagree with that take Ooh, that... Spicy. This is... Because it's... Dude, he's a redshirt freshman. <laughs> like... They haven't had a tremendous amount of time to develop him. And sometimes it takes more than one year to develop a quarterback. I just think that to make a bigger statement on our ability to pick it, it's like how many redshirt freshman quarterbacks start in college football every year. And I don't know the answer to that. So I think there's, you know, research to be done. Yep. I... But the thing that's very interesting to me based on and this is the amazing thing. So I reread Moneyball. Okay. And I think this is important context <laughs> because it made me rethink everything that I've ever said on this podcast. Adapt or die. <laughs> Adapt or die. Exactly. But what it was so interesting in revisiting it now, having read it so long ago, was how much it talked about how poor the eye test is and in evaluating talent. And that's so what, and the reason why I bring that up is I watched plumbers two game tapes. Yeah. And what you just described as him as a game manager was not what I saw in the game tape, the game tape that dude's gunslinging. And through multiple interceptions. But he was putting it out there. And so now my world has been rocked. I'm like, is this, are we at coaching staff that just would prefer to have game manager quarterbacks? Maybe. And maybe that's the answer. I, I think I think you're bringing up an absolute valid point. And uh, I would not have brought it up unless you said it. And I think I think that's absolutely valid. There, there has to. It's, it's not mutually exclusive. That's for sure, and they're not on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's a very big gray area because we don't know what the inner workings of how the play calling works, like what tendencies they're coaching. We don't see that, right? Like the whole reason, like Moneyball works with baseball, is because you have so many statistics to work with, mm-hmm. and it's based off of more statistics, like how, like how many times can you get a hit off of a curve? Like it's, it's, it's very, it's structured to a degree versus like football in evaluating a quarterback, like, okay, yeah, sure. We can say how good is he at throwing short passes, but all right. Are the, are his short wide receiver or are his, are his slot like wide receivers all like under six foot? Like, is he, is, are they going against defenders that are six foot two? Like, or are they, you know, six foot five tight ends that he's missing wide? Like there's so much context more that needs to be evaluated into those circumstances, Mm -hmm. which is why it's so much harder. I think in football to, to get anything down. I will say though, I rewatched Moneyball recently and like Brad Pitt's line when he's talking to that head scout and he's like, like, I know you've been in those rooms with those kids. Like, I was one of those kids. You think you know, but you don't really know. And that's exactly where we're at. Exactly. We think we know, but we don't really know. Exactly. Like, we're literally going off of, like, what we're seeing on on the, on the field. And once again, it comes back full circle of 
Is that what they're being taught to do? Or is that a personal tendency of his and what he prefers to do? I don't know what it is. <laughs> so like the only pushback I can give to your comment about Plumber and like the development, like it's never a good look if you're starting at a Power 5 conference team and you get benched and the guy that took your place ends up playing better than you did and then you transfer out to another power five school like like sure maybe there's a couple of diamonds in the rough there um but like when you lose a competition that that's usually i would you know I haven't been in a football team or in that have, situation. So I don't I know. An but immediate example of of the opposite of that. Right, right. But like, but that's what I'm saying. What we about, also don't know the circumstances. What about Baker Mayfield? What about Davis Webb? They sure. both both lost. They were both in that position. And sure. Then it, so, I mean, yeah. But all right. Bookmarked. Yeah. It's bookmarked. Yeah. We can. We, <laughs> we won't can. know. Th- we honestly <laughs> won't know this answer to like mid-September or mid-October next year, right? Or uh, this year. Yes. Yeah. I'd hope we would know it by like early September. <laughs> All right. hope to know by game one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. We're not going to know by game one. Okay. But did we really go through the overall thoughts? We kind of talked to quarterback. What, what was... Well, I mean, let me talk about Kai too. I don't want to give Plummer just all the, the credit. Like Kai, as much – I like Kai too, but the only thing with Kai right now is that he has made he's, – he's a little he's a little jumpy in the pocket. Um, he likes to take off. Um, he, he doesn't – he has good pocket awareness, but he doesn't have good pocket mobility. So he feels the pressure. And instead of sliding or moving to get out of the pressure, which like, you know, Jared was absolutely outstanding at, um, he prefers to take off and he has the wheels to do it. So, but I haven't seen him in a live tackle situation do it. So I don't know how much of it is possible. Like, you know, like chase taking off, like, will he get the yard? Does he have that type of wheels to get the yardage if he scrambles? Um, and then there was a couple of consistency issues in terms of his throws and his decision-making. But the one thing for sure is that he has made some of the best throws in camp. He has made some outstanding throws in camp. And like, I found out that his, I, I, I haven't factual, I haven't uh, found out if this is like, or corroborated this, but I believe his roommate is Maven Anderson. So the two of them have a really, really good connection on the field. There was one throw in camp where he th- he he threw to he threw the backside shoulder to Maven down the left sideline, and Maven turned back and caught it, and it was perfectly right where he didn't even need to move his hands. All he needed to do was turn his hips to the ball, and like his hands like moved naturally in front of his chest. Ball was right there, grabs it, toe touch, inbounds, catch made, thirty five yards downfield. So like. He knows where he wants his, his some of his guys wants the ball. The consistency thing that's an issue. It's like sometimes he he thinks he has this pass, but he doesn't. Um, of course, context is that he's not making that throw because he's forcing it. It's sometimes you're in the pocket and like one of your tackles or guards like eclipses with a linebacker, and you just don't see him, and you just make that throw to the outside, and it's like batted down by an outside linebacker or it's picked off. Um, so, 
yeah, I would need to I would need the videotape <laughs> from like his helmet to like see what actually what he's seeing. Um, but that's that's the thing. That's why I think Plummer's actually ahead of Kai in the depth chart. I think Plummer is probably going to be the day one starter if the season started tomorrow. There's still a lot of summer left and a lot of fall camp left to be played, and you know he could explode. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. Where Plummer has the higher floor because he has played college football. He has a little bit more experience. The game definitely comes slower to him than it does to Kai. And he's he's definitely excelling in the decision-making. Decision it's just the arm talent of Kai, you definitely see. Like, there there are moments where, where it comes out. Okay, love that. Specifically because I learned a lot. But now <laughs> we've talked over the quarterbacks. Okay. I read a lot about Jaden Ott mm. as someone who was kind of popping mm. to yeah. observers. Yeah. How true was that? Yeah, I uh, I would not be surprised at all if he's the starter come midseason. Not at all. Would not. Would I, would it would for me as a person who has receipts on some of the other running backs be saddened? Absolutely. <laughs> but would I be surprised that they made they made that choice to go that route? Absolutely not. I honestly believe the situation you have right now is when is like when we were freshmen. It's the it's the Justin Forsett there, and by Justin Forsett, in my eyes, I mean like you know guys like DeCarlos Brooks and Chris Street and Damian Moore kind of being that three headed monster there, and then you have this electrifying freshman come in named Javid Best who like just has moments of individual brilliance and you're excited to see what it looks like in year two or year three. Well, that's have, yeah. And that's, Damian that's, Moore had some of that. Damian Moore had, did some of that. But He's, we, we haven't really had, I mean, I, I think of Marshawn too. I mean, Marshawn yeah. number 24. Yeah. You know, everyone thinks Marshawn yeah. 10, like 10, Marshawn 24. 24. Dude, when he was returning, just when he was returning kickoffs, yeah. he was electric. Yeah. <laughs> It's the it's the butt slightly off your seat because you think something magical is about to happen, um, and so Jaden brings that. Jaden has a little bit of that, and you know what? Honestly, I think it's the best thing that could have happened to that running back room. I think Jaden coming in, especially in the spring, has jolted that room, and everyone has had to level up their game, which and everyone has. But there's certain things that Jaden Ott brings that. Or like all those running backs, right? Like I talked, I asked AT, uh, did I ask AT? I might've asked AT. I can't remember if I actually asked him or not, but, um, but one of the thoughts I had this spring was this might be the most athletic group of running backs we've had here in quite some time, just across the board. And these guys were here for the last couple of years, but they were just log jammed behind guys like Christopher Brooks and, and Marcel Dancy. Right. Um, and so, you, so let me let me let me you go through the rundown right like Damian Moore the basically the elder statesman of that group has the most snaps has the most carries he actually came out and told us what his injury was last year <laughs> like it was what it was something to do with his shoulder and it was it was like it was just done but he still played through it was that did that, that was happen on that Washington Washington play yeah 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 that makes sense actually yeah that was a hard really hard hit yeah. And now hey, the linebacker who made that hit is on our team. God, the, the, the reporters ask that every single time, like the first like two weeks with Sermon and 
and uh, Damian Moore. And I, I looked at one of the other beat writers and I, was, I just shook my head. I was like, when are we going to get over this? It's like people asking Ryan Glover about Usher. Like, how many times can we possibly ask him about it before it's no longer asked? Apparently, so many times that Not he's enough. now transferring. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he's over it. <laughs> yeah, he's over it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you see, like, so Damian Moore's that guy. And then you see, like, DeCarlos Brooks and Chris Street. Like, they're absolutely making strides. And so you can make the case. And then Ashton Stredick, too, like, you saw his athleticism today and the entire running back room is like going crazy as he's making that run down that sideline to, to end the spring game. Uh, doesn't get the touchdown, but he just like tip, he like, you know, ballerina tiptoes it like as he goes out and, and then Jaden Ott's like right there behind him. And then you got Ashton Higgins. Go, is it Ashton Higgins? I think it's Ashton Higgins uh, coming in. No, Ashton Higgins is a basketball player. Um, anyways, you got that other running back coming in in the fall too. So, that room is stacked. Like, I honestly think that you might have another guy come, like, you might have one more guy transferring due to attrition. Um, because I honestly can make the case for any one of those top four guys to start. Anyone. I don't know how you're going to give them enough snaps. <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't. It's a very nice conundrum to have if you're an offensive coordinator. I'm just glad I don't have to make that decision. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But all of them are great. All of them are, are absolutely stellar. The, the added thing to the running back room is that the fullbacks, the fullbacks actually look like they're ready to go. You know, we had two fullbacks on the roster last year. They barely played, but I think they're I think they're physically now ready to play. I think they weren't they weren't filled out enough to play the fullback position as a true fullback in this offense and making those downhill hits and blocks. I think the two of them can. You saw Bo Tagalo getting a fullback dive today, getting a touchdown, like just totally just moving the pile. Love it. Gotta love a nice fullback dive uh, two yards from the end zone. <laughs> gotta love it yeah so yeah i think uh that yeah the running back room is probably the most talented we've had here i'd say probably since like the lasco calfani muhammad combo it's probably the last time we've had this much like electricity in the room i mean for me that doesn't even i'm not gonna i i still feel like to me that group wasn't even that memorable 
like Lasco, Calfani, they they're yeah. generally disappointing. I mean, obviously, like most of the Dykes area was just absent of good running backs. Um, but I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I, the only one I can really think of that was like, like Laird was pretty legit. But, you know, hopefully going back into, I'm trying to think, um, you know, 2011. Shane. EC. Yeah, Shane and EC. EC and, um, uh, Anderson. Yeah. CJ. So I, I, I think based on what you just said and knowing the talent of running back that we've been getting in the each recruiting cycle, I agree. Pretty excited about that group. And based on what I just heard, even more excited. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that definitely checks our box off for most excited to see more of. What's your one concern going forward? If you had to choose one, and I'm only limiting you to one. So you can think about it, take some time. I can, yeah. Honestly, I'll make a decision, but here's here's the two that like I'm I have to make a decision between. And it's between the O-line and the defensive backs. And I'm gonna DBs. I'm gonna lean towards defensive backs. What? Why? And and so, so here's my concern. All right, let me flesh this out for you. I, I, yeah, please do because yeah. I, <laughs> I yeah. am beyond confused yeah. how a group that has Daniel Scott returning to it and Lou Maggio Hearn still a part of it. Yeah, how that this is a group that we are concerned yeah. about. My concern here is okay. So, so here's the thing: we all know that online is an issue, right? And there's a lot of holes that need to be plugged, especially the Met Tower transferring, Daltoso gone. Um, Will Craig no longer being on the team. There's a lot of holes. Like left tackle needs to be shored up. Left guard needs to be shored up because we're probably moving Ben Coleman to left tackle. So I guess that alleviates left tackle. And then you got like right guard. You got center done with Cindy. Uh, But then, yeah, right guard's also an issue. And then right tackle's also an issue. Um, So you got guys that can come in and fill. You know, like Yemta guards taking snaps. Romy's taking snaps. Um... Who are the other guys taking snaps? Uh, God, I'm blanking. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of guys that are taking snaps. And a lot of guys there have taken snaps at said positions over the last two years due to injuries. So I'm more worried about them from a game pl- game playing perspective. And can they actually start playing well when we start playing games? And I'm more than certain that they're going to start dipping into the transfer portal to get starter quality offensive linemen, particularly an offensive tackle, in my opinion. Um, so that's why I'm less worried about that. The reason I'm worried about the DBs is the most. Can you tell me how many cornerbacks we had on the roster for spring? Healthy cornerbacks. No. <laughs> Can you take a guess? How many cornerbacks? Six. Six. Close. We had five. So five cornerbacks to cover two spots plus nickel. <laughs> that means these guys were playing heavily. <laughs> like a lot of these guys were playing heavily, 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 heavily because we didn't have enough bodies to rotate like out. So my concern, I mean, we have guys like Jeremiah Irby, 
um, and Cam, Cam Sydney coming in in the fall. So that adds two more bodies in the, into those slots. But look, Craig Woodson, who we thought was probably going to be the starter at safety last year, is, out to, or is still out due to injury and recovering from injury. Like he hasn't participated in the spring, right? So that takes off another uh, safety. And then you have Colin Gamble, who was out um, and hasn't practiced, right? He was out for the spring. So that takes out another cornerback. So my issue here is that we don't have the depth back there outside the starters. And that is a big concern to me because injuries always happen. Um, and if we lose one defensive back starter wise, like in terms of experience, it's a pretty severe drop off. If those two guys aren't ready to go by season start, like the, the two uh, DBs that are injured. Who are the starters? Isaiah Young and Hearns. I w- you would have to gamble would start because he gamble would start, but he's but but he's still injured, right? So it, it would have to be Isaiah Young and Lou Hearns, and then it would probably be Miles Williams and uh, Daniel Scott at safety with Ray Woody, the first one off the bench. Hmm. So it's, I mean, the talent's there. It's just a matter of can it can we stay healthy? Well, I mean. Look, you also have to look at, like, who was playing corner and stuff beyond. Like, Fatu Ayasefa was great. Evan McLurkin was great uh, during camp. But, like, for me, like, just to be a little skeptical, like, is it, a, is it a thing of them actually getting better? Or is it just that they started to look good because they're getting so many snaps? I I just don't know. Right? Or you so, just not trusting... <laughs> you just not trusting that our offense was making them work hard. yeah or that too yeah and it makes them look good because you know they're they're getting past breakups um so yeah that's my concern is is depth there depth and experience there we lost a lot off the top um particularly a corner with colin being out and then all these guys like transferring out like Jalen martin going and, and chiggy going like it's it's weirdly how it's crazy how attrition has severely depleted probably our strength over the last four years. But that's that's why I'm kind of scared for that team because like you're looking at the roster right now, like one injury to one of the DBs, and it's like all of a sudden we have a backup group. <laughs> like even as it stands right now. So that's that's my kind of fear uh, okay. with the defensive backs. I like it. It's a good pick. It's a deep philosophical pick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last one here. Real into the weeds. All right. Or actually, I'm going to go shotgun style. Ooh, okay. Which new coach stood out the most? New coach. Uh, I mean, there's only two. Two? There's only two. Yeah, there's only two. Hmm. It's, it's Terrence Brown and Vic and Coach Vic. In my mind, in my mind, there's more. <laughs> uh, Coach Vic's really fun to talk to. Um, he's great. He's like super, super friendly. Like, but like, he like he's super friendly when you talk to him. But like, the dude is always wearing sleeveless hoodies. <laughs> so like, and he's I mean he's he's not that far off from like his playing career, right? So like, he still has the outside linebacker defensive end builds. <laughs> like his arms are his arms probably make up my entire leg. <laughs> like that's 
it's in, it's insane. But he's so nice. He's such a nice dude. So, like, I I probably have to pick him. It's fun listening to Terrence Brown, like talk. Like they had him, they had him mic'd up. I don't know if you saw it on the Calvers website or their YouTube channel, but they had uh, Terrence Brown mic'd up, and he's like, he's such a good talker. Um, and there was one practice where he was like talking to the guys who set up the music, and he's like, "I'm mic'd up today. You gotta, you gotta play me some of my like LA hits. You know, you gotta play like Tupac, and you know." So uh, I do, I do love that aspect of the coaches, but I mean, there's only two of them. But if I had to pick, I'd probably pick Coach Vic. Okay. Love it. And name one player from spring that you want receipts on going into the season. Jeez. Oh Cle- my Clearly God. cannot be a running back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the cheat answer here is a wide receiver. <laughs> I think that's an absolute cheat answer. Like if I, you, so you're saying like, I can't pick like J. Michael Sturdivant, right? That's <laughs> like that's, well, I mean, no, like I, I want, I want someone that like a little bit under the radar. Yeah, yeah, you want a little bit under the radar. That's what I was thinking. Um, uh, Maven Anderson would be fine, by the way. I think that would qualify. I think that's that's um, that's where I'm leaning. I'm I'm just give me a second here. I'm just running through the roster in my head, like at each position, and just going where where else could be like a a slot. Um. Oh, okay, okay. I got mine. I got mine. I got mine. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Ricky Correa, defensive tackle. That, that's that's going to be the dude. Um, I mean, Ethan Saunders as well. Ethan, I love Ethan. He almost yeah. broke my hand uh, giving me a handshake once. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> his hands are ginormous, and like I think I think Avi said it best. He was like, I saw Ethan play like four snaps today, and then like they were like, uh, his impression of the coaching staff was him them telling him, Yeah, we know what you can do. You're good. You know, sit out. You don't. We don't need you to get hurt. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Ricky. Uh, he's made incredible strides as uh, nose guard defensive tackle. He's going to be the starter. People have asked me, like, why don't you think Stanley is going to be the starter? Because Stanley hasn't really participated. Like, he was out injured for uh, today's spring game, too. So, Ricky has definitely taken, like, the mantle of that. He has the footwork. He has the power. He has surprising agility, which uh, Peter Sherman um, joked around with me about. Because, so, one camp... You know, they do competition period at the very end. And like 
you know, half the team has to run uh, some more sprints if they lose. And it was defense versus offense. And they were running the punt machine. And uh, it got to a point where it couldn't be the the hands team, right? It had to be, it had to be other guys. It had to be the big boys. And so you heard like by like the third person going, cause they kept catching balls by the third person. The entire defense is just screaming, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. And uh, finally coach Wilcox calls on him and you see this, this big giant nose tackle dude just walk out there. And then the punt punt team cut or the punt shoots up from the machine and he, he takes like two steps forward and he misjudges the trajectory of the ball and the ball's going to go behind him for sure. It's, it's definitely behind him. The guy backtracks like three, like three steps and then leaps backwards and high points the ball full extension (laughs) and, and collects it and lands on the ground. Everyone just goes nuts. And then the offensive lineman who was picked afterwards didn't catch it. So the, the offense had to run a couple more snaps. But I asked Sermon about that after the practice, and I was like, "Were you a bit surprised with how agile Ricky is? Like, are you gonna, you know, get him some run elsewhere?" And he was like, "You know, like people expect guys with that body type to to move in a certain way, but some of these guys like move as good as you know some of the most more athletic guys on the team. It's just you don't think they do because of the the body type and the and the size that they are. So Ricky's doing that, like, dude." Uh, in practice, one of the, like the coolest like motion things I saw was they ran. Okay, if if any coach is listening to this, I hope I'm right here. <laughs> but so he lined up as the nose, and they ran a stunt for him around the edge defender. So, but it was like a it was a slightly delayed stunt. So it looked like he was going to drop into coverage and play like a spiral right in front of the guard center. But instead, he drops back, and then he loops himself around the defensive end and gets into the backfield. I don't think you see that a lot with nose guards, like having that agility and the burst of speed to be able to to loop that. Ricky was able to do it. Um, so, yeah, I was very surprised at how much he's grown this camp. That's that's going to be my guy, I think, Ricky. But Ethan Saunders also is such a good pick. But... Yeah, I'll go with Ricky. Nice pick. And we are, just so you know, and so our listeners know, we are rewriting the definition <laughs> of popcorn answers as we are recording this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Roxy and Yogi said there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic in Berkeley. Are you believing the hype? Their hype. Ooh, that's tough. Um, let me put it this way. I think the the stuff that a lot of the media and, and in terms of Cal alludes to is, one, it's tough to recruit here, right? And two, like, Wilcox just did not have the players to be able to be successful here. Like, it, that's what they kind of allude to. If you listen to, like, Pac-12 Network games or you listen to Cal games on, you know, Fox or ESPN, that's what they kind of are saying. If anything this might be the year where he has the highest talent floor of his entire five-year tenure here. And if, if he can, if he can draw out as much talent and performance out of this group that he did with guys like in 2018 and 2019. Yeah. I, I could buy into that hype. 
if if that's what you're telling me, if that's the trajectory that you're telling me, is that this coaching staff can do that, then sure, I I would believe you if you told me that we we could get to eight wins with this team. I would absolutely believe you if you if that's if that's what you're telling me. If that's the if that's the baseline of yeah, they'll they'll do that. Do you think this team can? Yeah, I think we can get to eight wins. The question for me is we've seen we've seen now, and you know this is where we have you and I have to have a reckoning of like we told people to like wait on Musgrave, right? 2020 probably isn't everything that we saw of, of that offense. Boy, were we wrong. Boy, were we wrong. So like, we can still be wrong about being wrong. Yeah. We can still be wrong about being wrong. So, so that's the thing about Musgrave's offense too. Like, you know, this defense is going to be good. I think this front seven is arguably the best front seven we've seen under the Wilcox era and will be the best front seven we've seen under the Wilcox era. And probably the last 10 years. Yeah, might be the best front seven we've seen in the last ten years. So, and I, who was I talking to about this? I think it was Avi. I was like, honestly speaking, this front seven might be top three in the Pac-12. If you just look across the board, you look at all the other teams and how much they have to replace in terms of production. Mm-hmm. We might be top three. So, like, so all of that. We so we know the defense is going to still be good. That's the question mark, right? Is can the offense score enough points for us? And Musgrave kind of has talked about and alluded to it too, that like, hey, look, we didn't score enough last year. We weren't explosive enough last year. We want to be more explosive in the past game this year. And he also talked about like not blowing opponents out. And my thought in my head when he said that was like, you do realize you're the one calling the plays. <laughs> like, you know, Um so I that's I'm very curious. I'm very curious as to like because remember we saw all those trick plays in the big game. Yeah, we didn't see basically any of that throughout the entire season. So now that we know that stuff is in the playbook, are they going to use some of that stuff out the gate to get us some wins? Like I was talking to Nick about this about that, and he's like, "I love that they saved all of that for the big game because it was a big fu to Stanford." and like just humiliating them with using these trick plays. But at the same time, so many games throughout last season was dependent on one play succeeding. And if you had this in the book and you know, it could work. One of those plays could have gotten you another win. Like. Well said. So like, that's, that's what I'm trying to wrestle with here too, is like how much, how much more balance are we going to see? Remember how like the Nevada game, like, we came out firing and then it was just like run, 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 like and like try to pass, but not really. Yeah. And then when we didn't throw anything deep and we're like, Bill, throw the ball deep. And then what happens in the TCU game? They come out the they come out the gate throwing the deep ball. <laughs> like it's so unpredictable, which I think is kind of great. But at the same time, there's there's like from a fan perspective and guys us that are trying to analyze like you can't win by unpredictability alone. You actually have to win with more consistency and winning the easy plays. So like when the season starts, is Bill going to come out and throw a flea flicker at us? Like, you know, in game one, or is he going to run inside zone after he goes up 17 <laughs> zero? Like, which one is it? I don't know. I honestly don't know at this point. Well, you know, the, the one thing that they did was they went through game by game and we're they, they basically said look at the early schedule cal comes out of that five and oh six no watch out obviously 
if you look at it now, Davis, UNLV, Notre Dame. So I'm just going to give the L at Notre Dame, despite yeah. the fact that I think it'll be a competitive football game. I'm just going to do that. 2-1, 2-1. Arizona, Washington State, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, SC, Oregon State, Stanford, UCLA. There's two teams on that list that I'm scared of. USC and UCLA. I'm not scared of Oregon with a year one coach with zero head coaching experience. I'm not scared of Colorado Washington resetting with a new coach. I'm not scared of Washington state resetting with an inner room coach. I'm not scared of Colorado who retained their coach. <laughs> I am not, you know, Oregon state could be one of those that, you know, John Smith. Okay. The offense, that's why I would say there's reasons to be optimistic because I think you're right. And it was a good call out to kind of point and to say, look around, like look around at the talent that was lost and where did the talent come from? The talent in the NFL draft for the Pac-12 when I was watching, which is an important disclaimer because <laughs> I did not watch the entire thing, came from Oregon, Washington, and Essie. Utah. And a, little bit, yeah, a little bit of Utah. Utah, yeah. but they're not on our schedule. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not counting. Yeah. But the, yes, that's, it's, that's it. Totally. Absolutely. Um, UCLA was a couple guys, but like, really that's, that's what I saw and I'll leave it there. Okay. We're going to transition bears in the NFL. We're doing this popcorn style and it's actual popcorn style. I'm giving you 15 seconds on an Apple watch to respond to each one of these players that I will mention with. You could say something nice. You could say something not nice. You can say something in the middle, but you have to say something. All right. All right. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me. NFL Draft 2022. California Golden Bears had two players drafted. They were both in the seventh round. Mm-hmm. Your 15 seconds begins now. Elijah Hicks to the Chicago Bears. I think it's a great pick. They needed uh, some help on the back end. He's a hard hitter. They love that hard hitting style of players in Chicago then he'll be perfect for that. Don't know about the cold weather, though. But bear to bear. Bear to bear. But bear yeah, bear to bear, I think it's solid. It's solid. Plus, they have a, we have a good history with DBs. And- if you haven't seen his video on uh, the Cal Football Twitter handle, there's a video of him like reacting to him being selected. Go watch that. Cam Good, Miami Dolphins. Hey, it continues. Remember uh, uh, Chris McCain? Outside linebacker for the Dolphins for a while, and he was actually pretty good for the Dolphins for a little bit. So I think it's perfect for him. Um, it's just, yeah, I think uh, it's a perfect landing spot for for Cam. Would I have liked him with a more defensive like team, probably. But hey, he might get the chance to showcase some stuff because they're severely lacking in that department. I totally forgot that the Niners they hired was his name McDaniel or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. Not okay. a defensive, not a defensive coach. I ruined the 15 seconds. Undrafted free agents. Mm. Chase Garbers goes to Vegas. The Raiders. I think it's great. I, I I was talking to you before we recorded the pod, looking at their depth chart, barring from any trades or other signings. He has a shot to be the number three QB on the roster, or even the number two. Um, there's only three quarterbacks on the roster, including Derek Carr. So if he can beat out one of them. He's already on the NFL roster. Coin dang. Atlanta Falcons. Jalen Hawkins is already there. He'll have fun. 
they love their like speedy outside linebacker defensive ends. Like Vic Beasley was another one of their their guys. Um, so like they they love that. I think he'll be a perfect fit. And he's from there. He's from Georgia. Jay Tonjes, Chicago. The Bears really love our tight ends, huh? Like Ian Bunting. Anyone remember Ian Bunting? Yeah, yeah. They they took him. Uh, and now Jake Tonjes. I I'm a firm believer of Jake Tonjes carving out a weirdly like long NFL career. Like some of us are going to look back at this and go like, he was the longest lasting one out of that group. Like kind of like how, like some guys we talk about like Steven Anderson, that style, like we did not think Steven Anderson would be the longest tenured wide receiver out of that wide receiver group, like or tight end. I kind of think Ton just might be that guy. That's a good point. All right. The last three I'm going to need help with Trevin okay. Clark, the Ravens, I believe, um, also good pick. He he didn't test well in terms of his speed, but he is a very very good position uh, possession receiver. So with them trading away Hollywood Brown, um, I think they do have a need for wideout. Will he be able to beat defensive backs? Because when he was at Cal, one of his things was being a speed wideout for us. But in the NFL, I don't think his speed is going to translate. So lots of question marks. Kuko Crawford. The Indianapolis Colts, uh, possession speed guy for Matt Ryan, if he sticks. But, you know, they already have Pittman there, so they don't need a number one, but they could definitely use a number three guy. And finally, absolutely not least, the taker himself, Josh Drayden. Riverboat Ron comes through again, man. Riverboat Ron comes through again by picking another Cal guy, UDFA. Jordan Kanasic a couple of years ago. Uh, with with the Panthers, and then took him to the uh, the Washington Commanders. Now we get Josh Drayden over there. I don't know the depth chart at defensive back for the for the Commanders enough to make the call. But hey, if anything, the dude was probably the best tackler out of the DBs uh, and the takers. I think all, all the all the other takers, if they're listening to this, might have something to say against that. But uh, from what we saw, like the dude was the dude plays his heart out. He's great. He's such a nice dude as well. Um, just hopefully he can stick. All right, and finally, in the spirit of the movie Encanto, our very own Bruno, my favorite, Makai Polk. <laughs> I believe, uh, what was it? The the Ravens too, or was it the? Oh shoot! Or I'm was checking. it the Falcons? No, I, I thought it was the Ravens, but let me check. Ravens. Ravens. Yeah, I'm very surprised. Very surprised. Because usually, when you get invited to the combine, that usually means you're going to get drafted at some point, right? Because that means the NFL as a whole thinks of you as a as a top tier prospect, maybe not first round, but top at that position. But the fact that he went at the very end and did not get drafted a little bit of yikes. Um, But as we said before the draft, like there's, there's certain, there's certain stigmas now about like air raid wide receivers, like with the, you know, so I mean, I hope, I hope he sticks. I think he will. I, but that's just, you know, a lifelong Makai supporter. Yeah. Yeah. You've been one since day one. <laughs> You're legit a day one. All right. And that does it 
we are finished just at one hour. Is there anything else? I'm going to open this up. I'm going to say it's a loose victory cannon. A loose victory cannon. Anything else that you'd like to talk about before we officially sign off? Um, (laughs) This is going to get you triggered a little bit. But uh, what were... I just... I've talked to enough people about this. And the people that I talked to were kind of all in the same boat. So I want some outsider perspective on this. Your thoughts on everything with the Marfrox stuff that went down a few weeks ago with like Knowlton saying he was giving him an extension. Then he said, no, I actually didn't say that when the reporter is saying it's a direct quote from you. And then he's just saying that they got a, everyone got a blanket one year extension. And then he's here, but like no, no movement in terms of you're players. Gonna me, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> But I do want to know, like, an outsider's perspective who doesn't really follow, like, Cal basketball that much, but is still invested in the program and wanting it to succeed, right? So. I feel like I am, I might be an outsider, but I'm informed enough through the relationships that I have with you all and I read right for California to know that the the things that were said by our athletic director were almost a myth to me because it didn't actually ground itself in the data that was there. So in, in, and to me, it's a very high risk thing for Jim Knowlton to do is to attach himself to a coach that the data doesn't support keeping around Wilcox. The data supports that we have a competitive program. And if, if Fox was running a Wilcox esque trajectory right now and had it made a tournament but it had been somewhat competitive this wouldn't have been an issue but because we have been equal to or <laughs> barely better than the Viking era which we were supposed to course correct the only area that we don't really have that purview into is like and we have some of it is there must be something that he's doing really well from a graduation perspective. And that is, but as far as my concern, Cal basketball is an absolute, we tend to use like really drastic headlines about Cal football. And I never agree with them, but if you actually like to use one that was done last year, told me that Cal basketball is a nightmare. I would say, I agree with that. You know, there isn't a practice facility. We, I, I think having gone to USF games this year, I think USF has proven to me that they are putting on an experience at their games that is is equal to, if not higher. I mean, definitely, not, I'm not going to say equal to. Like, I'm talking because I was in a very like I was in their Sobrato section, and it was like VIP, but it was ridiculous. Like, and that's what Cal should be doing. Cal should be pushing the envelope of Haas Pavilion. Cal should be creating something for like a VAP section there that does have good food that does have high, like made to order cocktails that does create the environment where I'm going to come in there as a donor and want to invest in this program. I say this all the time on the podcast. Are we creating an investable product? Cal basketball is creating a product that I want to 
throw away and go to get something else or invest my time somewhere else. And everything that happened, I was, the, e- the emails were very confusing as someone who wrote one of them and received a response. I, I didn't think it made any sense. And I think it's total bullshit that we keep using COVID as an excuse. And I said it here two years ago that the second that fans would be in the building, we would see the dire straits that this program is in. And there was no COVID that was preventing people from going to this game because of public transportation. That excuse is garbage and it doesn't hold any weight with me. People aren't going to the game because we don't have a competitive team. The one game I went to, we got blown out by 20 plus points by a Washington team who has Y King Jones as their assistant damn coach. Like it's infuriating. And then I read all the articles about, Oh, we're missing out on this prospect, that prospect, this prospect, that prospect. Like, how do you possibly get better? And like Cal women's basketball is going the exact opposite direction in, in the sense that it's starting to hit an inflection point. It's reached kind of that low point and now it's coming up. It's, it's very frustrating. I actually don't know what to do about it. I nearly attended a donor event where Nolan was going to be there and was <laughs> going to go speak with him about it. And I decided that it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> Smart, smart. <laughs> so that is that is it. Very triggered. That's, okay, that's our victory cannon. That's how triggered you got, Andy. Like that's how bad Cal basketball is. If you got Andy, like almost going up to Knowlton in person to make a rant about how bad the team is and how bad the trajectory of the program is, you got. You, this is wild. If you got Andy in that in that space, it's very frustrating to me because. It was the one constant. And when we would have it during football season, we'd say, well, at least basketball season is starting soon. (laughs) Yeah. And it creates a void. I mean, it creates a void with our podcast. We, I mean, I went in the Kwanzo era. I attended, I think it was like 10 or 12 games that one season and was covering it, was was doing recaps. Like, was invested, was able to speak about it. And it just... You can it see just, it, how it just flew big away. of a downstream impact all that has. And like it, hiring a Viking Jones like shouldn't be a death sentence to a program. Like Viking nope. is not that bad of a coach. He was a good recruiter. And um, I don't think he's a, a complete tire fire of a person um, where you would have to say, hey, this program – because of you, this program will have to suck for at least five more years. Like, wait, what? Like, that's crazy to me. And basketball resets so much faster than football. Yep. Uh, you can really change with just a couple of players. And by the way, one of our graduates is absolutely balling out in the NBA right now. And we're just capitalizing on that. Nothing. Like, nothing. Not at all. Um, and so it just is... It's very frustrating and I don't know how to solve it in in the sense that like if I had the disposable income to be able to come in and say, here's $10 million, like reset it, reset this thing. I would absolutely do that because to me, it it means a tremendous amount to the university, like uh, my student experience and, uh, and Haas Pavilion is nice enough to be an arena that I think should be first first class. I, I don't think that 
me going to a USF game, I should be coming out of that being like, damn, I am now more willing to go back to the Zabrato Center. I don't even know how to say it. Zabrato, <laughs> Zabrato. Like, I'm, I don't even know. Like, I'm as fair weather USF, USF fan as it could possibly come. But going to that experience, seeing what that was like, seeing a team that had a coach that was forward thinking, that was young, uh, the energy that was in that building, and then watching a coach that might have stayed on a more friendly contract to stay in the Bay Area head out to Florida and then look at, you know, Gates, uh, you know, going to fricking Mizzou. And I would, I would even take Kwanzaa back. And I know that's not a popular opinion. <laughs> I would gladly take Kwanzaa back. He knows that. Yeah. So anyways, all right, this was fun. Rob, thank you so much for answering my endless questions. We will be back at some point, probably to talk about the bookmarked item. And as we close out, this is my first time ever doing this. Uh, but as always, oh, wait, no, wait, hold on. Time out. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the California Golden Bear cast. If you found us, well, you've already found us. There you go. And if for whatever reason you're just finding us, you can also find, find us on social, on Twitter, on Right for California and wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, I'm wrapping it up. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears.